heroes. Highlights and hardships with Triple M's Rush Hour. Welcome back to the Rush Hour with Gus Jude and Wendell, the Three H's podcast, Hero, Hardship and Highlight. And it is our, our absolute pleasure to have Will Anderson in doing the podcast with us this afternoon. Will, thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. What a great concept, by the way. Like, just an incredible way to spark, yeah. you know, conversations around, like, you know, those key posts of, you know, what defines you as a human being and the way that you look at the world. So thank you very much for having me. I'm absolutely wrapped to be part of it. Well, let's kick us off. I mean, a hero for you. You've had such a long and illustrious career. It might be something away from the stage or screen. What what has been your hero? Who's been your hero? Yeah, that? I thought about this a lot. Like, I mean, I think that I'm you know, like a lot of people, it started at home, right? Like, you know, so I just want to mention mum and dad because I honestly think they were my first heroes and in a way I think they're kind of still my heroes to today and so mm. much of, you know, who I am as an adult is still trying to like live up to the expectations of those two heroes and mm. both in different ways. You know, my dad, like this dairy farmer, like, you know, from country Victoria, I'm the eldest kid, Dell, and like there's a lot of expectations in farming families that the yeah. eldest kid will take over the farm and like I always think of the great gift my dad gave me when, because the day I went to them uh, to tell them that I didn't think I could be a dairy farmer, like I'd been like, I was, I was like a kid coming out to my parents, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd been holding Big on to it for a long time, I was just there, I was mm. giving them the whole, I'm so sorry but I don't think I could take over the farm and oh my God, the look of relief on their face. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> We've talked about this too, so yeah, no, this is a good decision it's on a, behalf of us all. Thank you very much. It's a win all around, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to hit, for him to let me go without ever putting any pressure, but the other one, the one that I've realised more as well as getting older is mum, who used to sneak me off to arts events, pursue my life, yeah, my, the thing I loved about comedy. She, she, I think, knew before I knew, you know, yeah. like she always... Get you in those circles. She, she and got show me in the right places yeah. to soak up the stuff I needed to soak up. So I'm going to tell you a little story about my hero that involves my mum. So that I thought that would bring it to yeah. there. So one of these occasions was, and you can decide who the hero in the story is, I guess. <laughs> but uh, one of these occasions was when I was 17 years old. I just uh, got accepted into journalism school. I was about to go off to university, and I was probably going to put like this idea of like performing or doing anything like that behind me and go off and live my you know, proper adult grown-up yeah. life that I thought I was meant to be living. And uh, my mum, for my birthday, for my 18th birthday, bought me a ticket for her and I to go and see Billy Connolly at Hamer oh. Hall in Melbourne. Wow. And um, uh, so it was about a three-hour drive down, you know, me and my mum and just an opportunity to talk to each other. You know, like I'm about to leave home for the first time and all that sort of stuff. And then we sat there and watched this show. And like, you know, they weren't even great tickets. Like 3,000 people, we were like 2,900 up the back. You know what I mean? Like it was, <laughs> but I did not care. It was the most magical. You know when religious people talk about that idea of I just had the calling. I Like mm. I knew. So I was in the room that night just like soaking it up. But the thing that I was like amazed, it was like time slowed down for me. It was, I was watching him on stage weave this show out of his imagination, but I was watching people from like 12 to 70, all people who, if they met in the foyer, Jude, would not like have anything to talk to about. Yeah, they just wouldn't have any, what they would think they had nothing in common. And then they'd walked in this room and this guy, just with his imagination, had managed to get them to all have something in common at once to Mm. demonstrate that. Like I just like felt that in that room that night and I just like buzzed about it, thought about it so much, drove home with my mum, wouldn't have stopped talking about it, you know, like Mm. it was just incredible to me. And so flash forward three years later, I'm... um, 
I'm uh, finishing journalism. I'm working as a journalist. You know, I've graduated first in my course. My life seems to be going like, you know, in, in one particular direction. And I, I'm so unhappy. Like I could never been more unhappy in my life. I know that I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. And I go to my uh, boss at the time and I say to him, I say, you know, uh, <clears throat> what do I do about this? And, you know, he was very generous. So he said, basically what I recommend is, he said, you've done quite well at this. And if your heart's not in it and you've done quite well at it, he said, just take what that attitude that you've brought to this thing and think of something that you would like to do every day. And I, I reckon that'll probably work out. It was really great advice, right? Great. Maybe there's oh. a bunch of heroes in this story. <laughs> Tell you what there is. But, they're lining up right? at the moment. Yeah. Uh, his name was Tom Burton. If we're giving him a hero okay, nod, I'll give, give him, him a nod as well. Tom, his name was yeah. Tom Burton. And Tom, he was incredibly – dad. Incredibly generous because, yeah, sorry, I've really jammed <laughs> them all good. into the one story. We're putting Billy in as well. This yeah, yeah, Billy kind of was the one yeah. I was actually exactly. starting with. The others were just <laughs> yeah. on the way, right? Billy's on the bench at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interchange. So he said, think of, you know, the moment you were last truly happy. And the first moment that came into my mind, even though this was now three and a half years on from when that had happened, was sitting in the room that night watching Billy Connolly with my mum. Mm. And that's when I decided that I was going to give stand-up comedy a go right then. So I guess you can decide who the hero in that story is. But Billy Connolly kind of became my lifelong hero because it was seeing him do it that made me think I could do it. And I um, have had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times and even get to say that to him and express that wow, to him. What did he you say? made him, you what made did... him laugh though as well. You've... I have made him laugh. I Look, there's still, <laughs> look um, I made him Tell laugh. Us that. Well, I made Billy kind of like, okay. So we went to lunch together. The, the, I don't know how much of this story I can tell. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's, oh, a podcast. it's a podcast, podcast mate. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's Just true. Go. Okay. All right. Now, okay, okay. So anyway, we went to lunch. We had been interviewing for, for, for a film he was making. Uh, I got to tell him that I, um, you know, admired his work and he'd been a big reason that, you know, I got into what I did and, uh, um. You know, the joy it had brought me and hopefully some joy it had brought other people along the way. But, you know, just uh, got to tell him all that. And it, it was a media lunch in between the interviews. And he said, well, why don't you come along to this media lunch and come and sit next to me? Because, you know, I, I, I forgot at that point that, like, he's a comedian. And he's doing all this media with all these entertainment reporters. Like he wants to hang out with another comedian yeah. and talk mm. about comedy. And so like we sat down at this table with like, the, you know, the Angela Bishops and the Richard yep. Wilkins and all those, you know, people at the table. And, uh, you know, they were all just being themselves. And like this isn't meant to like, look, this story is going to sound a little bit mean to one of these people. No, but, no, no, no. but he can take it. it. It's fine. So <laughs> Billy, Billy and I are having a bad taste conversation as comedians are want to do, trying to make each other laugh with bad taste jokes. And so I make a particular comment about 9-11, which I can't even remember what the details are, were, but it was like a 9-11. So you went joke. there. I, I went yeah, there. You went right? there yeah. But we were both going there and it was in the spirit of going there. And he laughs, like, I mean, one of the best laughs I've ever got in my entire life is making Billy Connolly, like, laugh out loud. Yes. Billy laugh. Yeah, not, yes. yeah, this is a proper laugh, right? Yeah. But, like, with comedians, you have to go there to get that. And I've gone there <laughs> yeah. and, and I got it. And okay. in that moment, no one else at the table knows what we're talking about because, of course, we've had to, like, because of the nature of our conversation, right. we've had to hide it from the rest of the table. And so, uh, look... Uh, I won't say who it was, but let's say his name rhymes with Ditched Rilkins. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He says, he, he, he says, he hears Billy laugh and he says, <laughs> tell us another one, Billy. Oh. And Billy leans back in Cringe. his chair. 
puts his arm in front of, like, to, to cover his mouth and just looks at me and goes, what a cockhead. <laughs> So good. Which, of course, he's not. No. We all know he's him. Not. He's a lovely he's man. Yeah. And I agree with that also. I The, the point of this joke, that's why I was so hesitant to tell the whole thing. Because the, the point of the joke isn't that it was just a moment where yes. it, like, it had been awkward. and and But it was just so, and we were already saying rude things to each other. To That's why it kind of came out like that. But it was one of the nicest moments but of But just life. to have Great an moment. audience with your hero yeah. and to have that sort of moment. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, what about uh, some hardships, mate, or a hardship uh, through your life? Because, mate, nothing's ever easy. We know that. No, and I appreciate that there's a space for this, right? This is where this podcast is like, it's so great that you guys are having this conversation. And certainly, like, over the years for me, like, you know, there's definitely been two things that I've really kind of like, you know, struggled with. One's been like my physical health. So I have osteoarthritis in my hips and I got it at a pretty early age and like my body's all just a bit buggered and it's, you know, it's been kind of chronic pain, right? Like so underlying and people who, I mean, you know, exports people, I know that I don't need to tell you about the like lasting ramifications of chronic pain. and Yeah, I know know what you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Completely, yeah. (laughs) But it is, right? It's that. Pain, like, I mean, we see it very much with our, like, professional sports people putting their bodies on the line for the sake of, you that period of your career. And people will often look at you and say, oh, they get paid a lot of money. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, you know, his his hip's going to, like, hurt for the rest of his life, right? Mm. So there's been that, which my job, like, like, honestly... You know, most of the time you can sort of like I'm a stand up comedian. As long as I can stand up, yeah. You know, mostly but there I can do it. There's been times where you've but... taken the stage just in excruciating oh, pain. Mate, and you're there's trying been to... there's been times where I just did things, pushed through it in ways that I absolutely should not have pushed through it. Like you guys will laugh at this, knowing what your job is. But I went through a period of time where. I was doing a very similar thing. But the funny thing is you kind of, of course you've heard of people getting a jab to go back and perform in the grand final or whatever, yeah. right? But I did 10 weeks of Gruen hosting a panel show at the ABC because <laughs> the problem was I couldn't sit down. Like my oh. back had like got so bad. So I could stand up, I could lay down, but I couldn't do anything in between without excruciating pain, right? Jeez. So I was going in getting cortisone injections to, yeah. sit, to go to sit. and sit at a desk oh, I understand. to host the panel show on the ABC, right? Which yeah. is just, my, my, here's, you'll love this. Like this is the <laughs> absolutely true story. So when I first went in and I said, like the problem is I can't sit down. They said, well, we've got a solution. Like we've had everybody thinking about it. And this season, we're just going to raise the desk and everybody will stand. And it'll actually be good for everybody. We'll just have it all at, like, you know. And then they realise that I'm the tallest person on the show oh, by a lot. Yes. So a lot everybody yeah. would actually have to be standing on boxes. And then it got like, so their next Win. plan, this is absolutely true. Someone suggested where my chair normally is on the set, they would just dig a hole. So you're down dead- And <laughs> I could just stand, like put my suit on and just stand in the hole at, desk height while everybody just sat around at the desk and no one would know that I was standing in a hole. Very good. Right. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to them, I reckon. Yeah. I'm working it out. Yeah. 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 But but I said, I reckon people will notice. I reckon they might too because standing and sitting are two different things. Completely different things. And they said this to me, Gus. They said, oh, no, no, we've worked it out. We're going to sticky tape a chair to your back. (laughs) That was literally their plan. Hang on. They were going to tape a chair, wow. like a prop chair, to my back so it looked like I was 
Sitting. Like, so no. wheel, wheel you in a little bit, like Hannibal Lecter oh coming in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jeez. Things, 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 things you do for a career, mate. Wow. But, yeah, the connection between your physical pain and your mental health, yeah. of course, is what we yeah. all know as well, yeah. right? Like, people who have chronic pain are much more likely to suffer from mental health uh, issues as well because often how you feel, and particularly if it's chronic pain, it, it like your body is connected to your mind. Yeah. So, do you, do you feel that, though, sometimes that, that energy to get up on stage, to be on TV, things like that, that – you have that energy and then it's zapped when you get home as well, like that feeling of um, just that feeling of just completely sort of – No power left. Up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like, I mean, here's – like, I reckon when you're going through hard times, because this is the toughest thing, right, about being a um, – like, you know, someone who's meant to be funny for a living. Yeah. Right? Like, is often you don't feel very funny, like, when bad stuff is going on. But most of the time it's a relief, right? Mm. Most of the time going to work is a relief from your bad times because when you're doing stand-up comedy – you can't think about anything else. The minute you're thinking about something else, you are in trouble. You're yeah. not in the mo moment. You're not in the room. I think it's why I like the improvised show so much because mm. you have to be 100% concentrating on what's happening in that moment. The minute you get distracted like and think about anything else, you're in trouble. Mm. But that means, of course, that, yeah, the minute you go home, your whole real world comes crashing back down again. And so I think often when you're going through really hard times, like, you know, sometimes comedy can be a good way to process it. Yes. But, like, sometimes when they're really bad times, they're not things that you're ready to process or it's unhealthy for you to be processing them in the moment. Yeah. And so often by the time you're talking about it on stage, you've actually had to work your way through the point where you can get to where you can say to people, like, because sometimes it's also about, like, how you frame something. Like, I've been working on this idea that I think, you know, it's, it's suitable to this conversation. Sorry, I bang on a lot. But no, that's fine. It's, we I, love it. it. So I've never been suicidal, but I do believe that there's been a period of time in my life where I went through what I would describe more as death ideation, right? Which is the difference between wanting to be dead, thinking the world would be better off without you mm. versus, and now I'm going to do something about that, right? Like it never got to the, and now I'm going to do something about that. And the truth of it is that um, the reason that it didn't is that I'm a very privileged person. I have a great amount of friends and family who anytime that I would think about like being at that point in my life, I think about them and the effect that it would have on their life. And, you know, I feel very privileged to have that, right, in that mm. situation. But I still wanted to kind of find a way to talk about this death ideation thing because I wanted to say to people, because I think sometimes that's the bit we don't talk about, right? It's like the conversations that you're trying to open up. Sometimes it's not an extreme, one thing or the other, right? Like we think of mental health as being, it's a, yeah, mental health is, is either tippy top or it's like, you know, you're in the middle of an absolute crisis. Mm. And uh, what we actually really know is that like, there's a whole range of those yeah, things. Yeah, we're bumbling and, somewhere through yeah. the middle. Yeah, and like you've got to check on when you're too close to one end of it or the other. And sometimes I think by not having the conversation about the things that are on the way to the bad place, hey, are you feeling this? This might be a warning sign that you're going in the wrong direction. Like, mm, you know, awesome. so anyway, so yeah. like that's – like sometimes you have to be through those things to be able to then go, how could I comedically – like, you know, t write a routine that represented this thing. Can't do it while you're in the middle of it or it, like, doesn't, rep you know, isn't, isn't funny, really. Yeah. I, I love you being so authentic and real and I think that's why Australia loves you. Let's talk about this. It is the three H's. So we've done the hero. We've done the hardship. Can you pick a highlight? Yeah. No, highlights are harder. 
like comedians don't do highlights either, right? We do lowlights. Like mm. when we sit around together, we're always talking about that. No comedians ever like said to a room full of comedians, what's the best gig you've ever done, you know? Really? No, we all want to know about the worst gig, the, <laughs> oh. the shittiest thing that's ever happened, okay. right? Like, um, well, give us your lowlight then. Oh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> um, oh, look, I... Um, We'll tell you about, yes, okay, yeah, I can tell you about the worst gig I ever did. I, I, love, how, I love how your mind just yeah. goes, yeah. it's like the bulb moment, you know, it's great. Well, th- you'll love this story because this is one of like the most, like, so I'm doing this corporate function. So if any comedian story starts with, I was doing a corporate function, you know, it's not a story about the best gig they've ever done in their entire <laughs> life. And it was a very expensive Thing It was one of those ones where they get like, you know, the exhibition center or whatever and they like do the whole thing into dining tables and they they drop in a stage and, you know, like it's one of those things. Like $5,000 a seat, you know, big event, newsreader hosting the, uh, you know, the entire thing. Like (laughs) motivational speakers from all over the world that they've flown in to each do their sort of, you know, 20-minute inspirational presentation and then, you know, and then just to finish off the day after all the inspirational presentations, we might have a bit of stand-up oh, comedy, you know, laugh, just eh? to yeah. have a good old laugh at yeah. the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they asked me to do this and I, um, look, it was a lot of money. I'm not going to lie to you. It was like a very, like, you know, they they were there to spend money yeah. and uh, so I was like, you know what, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? <sighs> like it can't be that bad, right? Like I'm like, I'm, you know what, I feel pretty bulletproof at my job at this point in my career and it turns out that's not entirely accurate because (laughs) here's what happened the guy before me he was incredible like one of the best presentations i've ever seen in my entire life he uh was in a wheelchair and part of his presentation was that he had climbed mount everest so like this is just literally how great this guy's story is right he's like you know former uh military like injured in service in a wheelchair not gonna let Anything in life, you know, get in his way has like proved that by climbing Mount Everest. One tough of the most act to follow. I mean, at the best of times, Jude, it would be a tough act to follow. Um, so, what I would have done, perhaps, if I were the newsreader hosting that show that day, would have left a little breathing space in between the standing ovation that that by the way a little rude to a guy in a wheelchair oh. but that is i i feel like that's rubbing it in that's yeah. not a mark of respect he does but, such a good job and uh, then you stand yeah, up uh, come yeah. on guys yeah. like <laughs> a seated ovation is appropriate yeah. in this particular <laughs> circumstance again jokes i could have made in a better room but yeah. i <laughs> Did you use those jokes? Oh, dear God, no, because here's what happened, Gus. So the newsreaders decided, oh, good time to bring the comedians on when the standing ovation is happening for the motivational speaker. So it's literally just, like, done the equivalent of, like, that's Jude Bolton, here's Will Anderson, right? Like, that's literally... How, how it has gone. What he has not taken into account is the fact that this stage has been dropped in as the drop-in stage for the day. So there is no ramps like there would be ordinarily on a normal stage. It's oh, yeah. been put in for the day. It's just on a rise. So what I hadn't noticed before his speech, because there'd been ample time for him to set up, that it was one of those little crane sort of like lift rises on the yeah, side of yeah. the stage that he had just had to wheel into and then just get lifted down to the side of the stage. That was the only way to do it, right? Which is absolutely fine. Mm. If someone isn't on stage at the time in front of that person, that hero who's being slowly lowered down the side of your stage while you're trying to do stand-up comedy, (laughs) he is just like this hero. They've all just been standing 
because he climbed Mount Everest, is now being lowered slowly down behind me with flashing lights and an alarm because it's a safe environment while I'm trying to be like, so. Oh, Get into the gig. Hey, oh, no. That's not your fault, mate. That is not my fault. No, that is not. But it did happen. <laughs> it was hard All to I recover. wanted to say for 20 minutes was, what, he can climb out Mount Everest but he can't get off the stage oh. by himself? He was a hero. I could do nothing. <laughs> like it was like it had been set up by another comedian yes. to ruin my life. And they're if all giggling behind your if back. If I had found out later Dave Hughes had paid the entire <laughs> amount of money and just as a prank on me, I would have gone, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> That's so hey, Will, you're a bloody legend, mate. We love mate. you. Of course we have. And uh, the 3H podcast with Will Anderson is That's done scary. and dusted. Will, thank you so much, thank brother. Thank you for having me. Legend, mate. Thanks we love you. Merry Christmas to you. And don't be a stranger. See you next year. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell.